great. You know, I think, I don't know if, if the cameras caught it, but they were, they were kind of coming to life there a little bit. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes one inning. I remember it was 10 days ago or something when we were grinding, and I think I said it takes one inning or one at bat or one game, and you kind of get rolling. And, you know, I think that was kind of what you saw again tonight after three tough games against Anaheim. So um, they're pumped up. You know, it starts with a walk, tap gets a hit, Jano clips him, and, uh, you know, and away we go. So it was, uh, it was a good time in there for sure. Well, we'll see if it's simply a matter of away we go. The Blue Jays beating the Cubs 5-4 in 11 innings last night. Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. It is Blair and Barker. And I said last night in Blue Jays talk that sometimes it's, it's good not to just poke too much into a win. Just kind of put it in your back pocket and move on. Um, there was a lot of high wire activity in that game last night. But Kevin, at the end of the day... Uh, Danny Jansen with the three-run home run and then walking it off with the single. Some really good relief from Jordan Romano and Jimmy Garcia. Uh, good defense, some scary plays, some odd base running, <laughs> some bizarre base running, and yet there you are, 5-4 for the Blue Jays in 11. And at least it puts a little bit of a spring in their step going into tonight's game against Marcus Stroman, who you know is going to be jacked up for this game. Yeah, he probably will be. Uh, yet again, this is all about what they're swinging at. You, you see Danny Jansen's at bat in the fourth inning. He swings an O-O slider middle of the way. He can't pull that pitch. Like, the, the other at-bats that he had, the the single that he got to walk it off, the home run he got, that's a slider. Hey, both hanging sliders, balls that he get the barrel out in front and pull the baseball. The, the, I've been saying this for a very long time, that this time of the year, it is not about mechanics. Most of the time, not about timing, unless you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, it is now about... Most of the time, what you're swinging at. If you get your pitch, what you're trying to do. You know, Danny Jansen's not a guy that's going to use the entire field. He's a guy that's thinking up the middle to the pull side. You have to get that pitch that you can do that with. And when he does, because he has a, you know, a quiet lower half, there's not a whole lot of movement to it. You know, he's a little wider. He picks it up. He sits it down the front foot. That allows him to, you know, get the barrel in the hitting zone. He can use the barrel a little bit more. He does have a little buggy whip to it, too, if you've noticed. He's got a little good finish to it that he's he can snap the ball if he gets a good pitch to hit. And You know, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, and that's sort of what happened last night. There's a reason why the Cubs ain't no good. <laughs> yeah, you watch them play. That You know, that bullpen's not real good, and they're base running. I well, there was I a just lot. Don't, I just don't know what to say. We, we watch base. I mean, you watch all the games like I do. The base running at the big league level is – Atrocious is your word. It is. It's atrocious and it's embarrassing. Like, think it through before it actually happens. The big situations in the game, I, I see a line drive. I'm on second base. Stay there. Don't move. Don't run like it's a little league till they tag you out or they tag the base. It's the, sometimes the hard watch. The, the remarkable thing is the how bad the base running is when the play's right in front of you. No question. That, that's the thing that, that stands out more than anything else. Base running almost cost the Blue Jays last night. Uh, Alejandro Kirk getting thrown out at uh, second base on a double play. It was originally called safe. It was appealed. It was obvious, I think, when you saw the appeal that, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he slid with his leg up. <laughs> That's the only way to put it. He slid with his leg up. Mm -hmm. And uh, on on review, the play was actually not as close as you may have, have, nope. have thought it was. Uh, look, we've talked about Alejandro Kirk hitting in the middle of the order. This is, you know, it, this is... What one of the things you may have to deal with, and you asked the question very early, can he hit in the middle of the order if you're in the postseason? Because it is, let's be clear, it's a double play waiting to happen. If he if he doesn't hit a double, 
it's pretty much a double play waiting to happen. But I want to talk to you mm-hmm. uh, because there's so much to talk about. I want to talk about that slide first because you were really good talking about that on uh, on on Blue Jays talk after the game. So tell me about that slide. What is the proper way? He's a big boy. He is He's big sliding. Man. I, I, I can just tell you the way, the way, you know, the perfect slide is you put one of your legs underneath you, you do the little hands in the air. You want to, you want to slide on, on both cheeks, basically. I mean, that's basically the way it is. I, as a big man, I could never do that. I could never bounce keep, if you do that. Well, your foot is, it's very hard for big men to keep their foot that's straight out on the ground to be able to hit the bag and do either a pop-up thing or not want to slide over the bag right. because your foot's a little on the ground, uh, above the ground. For me, because I was a bigger man, I would tilt my body to one side, so I'm sliding on one cheek instead of both cheeks. I mean, it's real simple. So your foot is going into the bag sideways. You're hitting the side of the bag. So when you hit it, there's no question that it's not going to go over the bag. You can do a pop-up slide. Like, it's just, it's this time of the year, there's no excuse for that. Like, mm-hmm. you can make excuses for a bunch of guys to do a bunch of different things. This time of the year, you should know how to slide into second base on a close play. I, and you mentioned where he's hitting in the lineup. They have no choice. He's one of their four best hitters. Yeah, oh, I know. Like, but they have, that, they have no choice. That's what I mean. Come that's... playoff time or not, it's, it is what it is. You, If you have to pinch run for him late in the game, so be it. I just, you know, it's, again, they're, they were playing a bad team that, allowed them to not play a complete game, you know, not getting a bunt down, not catching a pop-up, mm. uh, you know, almost killing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on a routine ground ball to a shortstop. Like, it's just little things like that that you have to do against t- good teams. If you don't, you lose the baseball game. And against the Cubs, you can do that and get away with it. Now, Ross Atkins and John Schneider both addressed the media before the game. John Schneider always addresses the media before the game. Ross Atkins generally does come down and on, on Mondays. Um, in in the past, at least, and just kind of make himself available. Uh, and 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 the takeaway seemed to be, at least publicly, Kevin, from both men, that uh, you know they know what's under the hood. To borrow a phrase from Ross Atkins, they know what's under the hood. They're happy with the process. They're happy with the level of accountability. Uh, quite frankly, what I heard, and I would be the same way. I heard two men basically saying. This isn't a crisis, you know. This this is we got this under control. The team has this under control. Mm-hmm. That's probably the message I I would have sent as well. But when you see a game like that, and he talked about Bo's throw to Vladdy, almost, I mean, I I don't know about you. I thought I thought for a minute I thought he broke his ankle the way he mm-hmm. the way the, the the slide happened at first base, and you could tell Bo was concerned too. He got his ass over there almost sure. as fast, almost as fast as the ball got in the glove. Uh, is that? I know we've, we've tossed this idea around. Is that a team that's just pressing too much? And if it is a team that's pressing too much, could what we saw from Danny Jansen last night, could that be, you know, could that be the blow that kind of, that that opens the dike a little bit here? I mean, we were in the left field corner press box, and I can tell you when he hit the home run, mm-hmm. that entire bullpen was up. I mean, sure. it, it wasn't just the dugout that was up where they were doing the Danny shake Jansen and the rally today. That'd be three days in a row he's catching today. You're, you're going with your best offense. How, how do you not play a guy who walked uh, walked it off, got the, one of the biggest hits of the season? I mean, we can say that. It, well, it was one of the biggest hits. You go back to your question about the, I don't know, the, Kevin. About the shortstop in the first base. I don't think 
either one of those are a finished product. That's just me when I watch them play. Just mechanics. It's like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes up and stands like a statue. It's very hard to adjust body where ball's going. You go over, you have bend at the knees, you're in an athletic position, then you can move from the ground up mm-hmm. instead of going and standing like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get a weird throw and it puts your body in positions to, you know, bad things can happen with, you know, guys going in, hustling, trying to make a play at first base. You know, you, you can't fault the, the the runner for doing anything that he was doing. I, I just think that's what it is. Like we can read into this as many times as we can read into it. For me, it's performance-driven. You make an out, who cares what it looks like? Like, that's, I think, where we're at this year. And then in the offseason, you you make some adjustments. You get a little bit better. You you look back at your season and say to yourself, how can I get better as a defender? What do I need to do if I'm Bo? What do I need to do if I'm Vladdy? What, you know, what do I need to do if I'm Lourdes? What do I need to do if I'm Danny Jansen receiving balls at the plate? Like, there's a lot of... Guys going home looking in the mirror and trying to figure it out. But I think this part of the season, where they're at, it is what it is. It's performance-driven. You make an out, who cares what it looks like? Yeah. No, we can we can drive ourselves nuts trying no to figure question. out what's wrong with Bo or, or what does Bo need to do better. Right now, I think as we get close to September, Bo just needs to survive and help the team get in the playoffs, there basically. That's, there it is. That's essentially what we're talking about mm-hmm. um, at, this, at this point in time. Another play involving Vladdy. Got to talk about the uh, strikeout two three two double play, um, a, a play made, and uh, it was with uh, Nick Madrigal at third base. And this mm-hmm. is a, a rare example. I think we we agree, Kevin, that this was an example of everybody doing what they're supposed to do. Danny Jansen doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Vladdy doing what he's supposed to do. And I think the base runner doing what he's supposed to do. You know, I asked you last night, Nick Madrigal, do you if you're on a team that's contending, if this is a game that matters to the Cubs. Do you try to go home in that play? Okay, that, that's that's a player on a bad team that's knowing how a team is playing defensively. Defense. Yep. The, la- the the coming into last night, the Blue Jays had made an error in ten straight games. Fifteen out of their last seventeen yep. games, they'd made an error. You put pressure on them. If you're a good base runner, you get a good jump, which he did. You make them make the play. Everything happened. Barrios put a little bit more pressure on the middle finger, the slider to Ian Happ, the back foot. Danny Jansen actually caught the baseball. He looked the runner back. Vladdy gave him a lane to throw to, which is a big deal. You want to be a big target. You want to get away from the runner. You want to make it easier for Danny to throw the ball to throw a strike. Vladdy didn't get in a hurry returning the the throw. Danny Jansen stepped in front of the plate, which is a big deal in 2022. We've heard mm-hmm. this. We've had these conversations. Wow, we've already that play in Minnesota. The plate. There it is. You could actually see his eyes go to the plate to where he wants to start and stand, and then he receives it and he makes the tag. Everything worked the way it was supposed to work. Just so you know that my friend here isn't making that up, let's hear what Danny Jansen said about the play. That one was a, was a wild play. You don't really draw it up much, right? You don't really see it often. So um, it was great on Vladdy getting rid of it right away and, and hit the play. How did you, like, did Vladdy communicate with you to tell you he was coming, or did you see him? No. Like, uh, how did that unfold? Yeah, I, I, I blocked it, and, you know, I'm pretty sure sh- I, I looked at him, mm-hmm. and I don't think I looked at him very fat, very very long. You know, I just kind of glanced at him and tried to keep him there, and then I threw it. Vladdy gave me a lane, and I threw it at him. And the next thing you know, I, I'd look, and he's coming, so I just try to get in front of the plate and uh, give him a lane to slide into, and then uh, the play happened. How conscious are you of that? Like, you got to give the runner a lane, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like it's not something you would have had to do in the past right. growing up. Right. How hard is that? Well, that's, that's the game now, right? Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, I was taught that, you know, when a play is going to be at the plate, you got to get, like, I get my left foot out in front of the plate, so I give him the whole lane. And then when the throw comes in, you can take it away yeah. when, when you get it and all. So um, that's, that's, what I, that's what I did. But it's kind of a, a wild one when it's on the right side of the field. You got to give, you got to open up a little bit more. And then when it was coming in, it was kind of to the right a little bit. So I, uh, I didn't know exactly where the plate was, so I just tried to jump on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a lot going on in that play. Sure. But that was... Uh... You know, again, a play, a play that was made, and and you know, it's the Jays had some defensive plays last night. They did that were that were pretty you know, good, and even and even the the, the bopped potch up, uh, the the botched pop up mm-hmm. uh, in the eleventh inning. You know, uh, credit Jackie Bradley Jr. for picking the ball up, communication, and throwing it in. It, it and, is. There's and no, getting Reyes at I'm in that camp. I'm sort of like John Snyder. After the game, he was saying that he needs to get together with those two guys because they're not familiar with each other. Yep. It's not a hard to yell and scream, say, "I got it, I got it, I got it." It's the outfielder's ball. So I'm going to blame Jackie Bradley Jr. for that. I mean, the ball was in the air long enough mm-hmm. that he should run in and catch that baseball. It's harder for a defender in the infield to run backwards, look up, and try and catch it over the shoulder kind of thing. But, but again, you know this what, gets so back I kinda to that thought, thing where good teams make plays when they're what, supposed to make them, and was a it, lot of the times they don't. Was it Bradley and Espinal or was it Bradley and Springer? Because I thought George Springer had that ball. That was my I, initial reaction, watching that, the three of them converge. My order, I thought Springer gets it or Bradley or or Espinal. That was the way I saw it. I thought for me, I thought that the the shoulders were a little bit more okay. squared up for Jackie Bradley Jr. to run in and catch that ball. Regardless of the fact of whoever you thought the outfielder should be, right. somebody needs to catch it. Like take control of the situation. And I just like what Danny Jansen said there. It's two dudes playing catch with each other. In a big situation, you think that sounds easy, but when runners are going and moving and putting pressure on you and your defense hasn't been real good lately, that tends to make the heart rate go up a little bit. And for two guys just to stay under control, you throw it to me, I'll throw it to you, we'll get the out, and then we'll go and try and score a run. Let's uh, talk about Jose Barrios, who made the start last night. 17 of 25 first pitch strikes, which is really good. Had a lot of difficulty putting guys away with two strikes i think five of his 10 hits you pointed out five of his 10 yeah. hits came with two strikes how do, I, and the cubs aren't a great team nope what did you make of that start for jose brios i think just, I, just I thought the, it was i thought it was good enough against a bad team you know he got 13 mm-hmm. swing and misses his breaking ball he got eight of those out of the 13 was off his curveball you could tell he had a couple of his curveballs were 12-6. I, I mentioned the Ian Happ one that looked like that was more back foot. You know, he's putting more pressure on fingers, which will tell you he's not thinking about mechanics anymore. Right. That simplifying the glove thing, I mean, that sounds like 101, simple as you get kind of thing. For him to be able to actually go out and do it, because I've been the one guy that stood up and raised my hand and said, this guy's been around long enough. He should be able to make adjustments quicker than everybody else should be be able to make it because he knows his body and his mechanics a little bit better. But it just seems like you can tell now when he throws a bad one, he knows right away what he did. And he can correct it and don't do it again. And I think that's something you can look forward to the the more he makes starts after this because they're going to really need him. But the leadoff hitter thing for me is a big deal. That leadoff hitter getting on, you know, he pitched six innings, three out of the six got on. Yep. That puts a little bit more pressure on you than you should be putting on yourself. Like those are the pitches, those are the at bats, right? You get that first out. But a couple of those were. A couple of those were. Uh, I mean, it, it, they uh, they weren't cheap hits, but 
they found I mean, holes. a hit's a hit for me. Like right. it's that that gets back to the two strike thing. Does he have a put away pitch? Like that pitch that you know it's coming. I know I'm going to throw it, and ain't nothing you can do about it. Shouldn't, Is it the two seamer? Shouldn't he have enough? He should have enough of a fastball to have one. I don't know. Well, we haven't seen it. Like it's almost like that thing's not playing. You know, I know he he likes to try and go up. He wants to go up and in to a righty. He wants to go up and away to a lefty. You know, the velocity is better than it has been. But does he have one of those pitches that, you know, you know it's coming. I know I'm going to throw it. Is the curveball good enough? Sometimes it's non-competitive. You know, non-competitive is a couple of different ways. It breaks too much or out of the hand. You could tell he's choked it off or he's just, he's just doesn't have the feel for it when he's, when he's releasing it out in front. I just don't know if he has one of those. Is he a punch-out guy? Probably not. But he just needs to get a little bit better at that, right? Because they're going to face better teams. He's going to get to down the stretch here. He's going to get some good teams, and he's got to be really good with strike one, which was he was good enough last night, mm-hmm. and strike three. You know, you want quick action. You know what quick action does? Get you deeper in games, right? You, you That's why everybody talks about strike one. And then when you get... One, two, what's that next pitch? Don't waste a pitch. Don't show a pitch. That's not the way they do it anymore. What's your best one? Is it the two-seamer? Is it the elevated heater? Is it the comeback sinker? Which it looks like he's eliminated that. Just for whatever reason, it's leaking when it leaks the BP heater. And then that curveball. He's got a couple of different ones. I think if me watching it, you watching it, fans watching it, if we don't know what it is, he probably don't know what it is either. Yeah, the... The results so far haven't equaled the stuff that I thought he was bringing over from Minnesota. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been, I'm still, still a big fan. Still, no problem with Jose Barrios or the contract. But I have to admit that the stuff hasn't, it hasn't played as much as I thought it would. And I do like last night that when he was taken out of the game, he didn't like that. Like he didn't, you know, you saw him beating on the on the dugout and and with his glove and he was throwing his glove. I like that. Like that that tells you that I don't mind more, what, you know it's what? more about performance than it is mechanics, about me thinking between the years about my breaking ball and my two seamer. No, he's just thinking about it. I didn't go deep enough in a game against a bad team. I don't like that. And here's the thing I here's the thing I did like about I like the fact that he did it. He got off the field and did it. Like didn't show yeah. up, you know, be a pro. He did his thing. He Okay, After the manager gets, pointed to the umpire, as he gets, always does, going off. And then if you're going to melt down, melt down. Give Snyder credit. He gave him a chance to finish it. He <laughs> yes, didn't. he did. And then Mesa come in and hung a slider to a pinch hitter, which, <laughs> you know, that's, not, that's again, that's, well, two, that's two strike pitching. It's, it's how do you put guys away? Yeah. You know, that, that it's that that's the sort of the theme of the team. Now the the bullpen was really good last night. Bass came in and did his thing. I mean, he got out a little bit of trouble. Simber was, you know, when you don't abuse Simber, he's off. The trickery will work. Yeah. If you abuse it, I get to see him a few times. It gives me a better chance cuz where he throws, it's, you know, it's an odd release point. You don't see that all the time. He's got the invisible that he throws up. It's got the illusion that's elevating and all those kind of things. Romano, huh? I mean, I were we a little hard on Romano early in the season? I think we need to take that back and say we're sorry. Are you are you willing to do that? No. You're not uh, willing to say that. No, because I don't think were we hard on Romano? Uh, maybe. I think the question we had was understandable back then. Is he a guy who can close for a team in the World Series? Which is what this is about. Do you believe it now? Well, I don't know if this is a World Series team right now, so I don't know if I need to worry about that. Think about just honest. him. Forget about that part of it. Uh, just him. 
You'd be okay giving him the ball in the, in the game seven of the World Series, up one run. That's mm. what you ask yourself. Because I am now. I think the velocity, he's found a routine. I kind of like that. And I like the velocity. I've told you, him coming in and the first pitch he throws is 94, ain't going to work. Yeah. Like, you're going to need you're gonna need that gear. And he's got the gear now. now uh, and, I, and I sort of like that. So, I'm comfortable with that. I mean, I, I'm, I think the thing... The thing that I've seen lately out of this bullpen, especially the back end of the bullpen, I really like is Garcia's velocity more than anything else. I do too. Uh, yeah, I mean Jordan Romano's the closer. That that's one of the things. It's almost, and I hate to say this, but it's another one of those things that that's pointless to talk about. He's the closer. Ain't nobody coming in here and going to close for the Jays in Game Seven of the World Series. I know that, it, but the, he's but the way he started, and I'm, I'm the time they gave him off because he needed some adjustments. I was they worried. let him figure it out on his own, and he has figured it out. I, yeah, I was worried about those gaps in activity. Well, there's a reason why that was. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that concerned me. Um, I like some of the stuff I've seen lately. You know, even even yesterday he did another. Kind of an odd little move yesterday in the game. You know, he did the Statue of Liberty, <clears throat> you know, mm. thing in New York where he held Not the ball sure up. That is. Well, you know, he held the ball up. I it, know what he did. It was weird. <clears throat> Arden Swalling and I were talking about it after the game, and Arden said I asked him if it was like something to do with the Statue of Liberty, and he kind of laughed. And I told him, well, as long as he doesn't get into the whole Venus de Milo thing, we're going to be fine. Check the Venus de Milo. As long as he doesn't try to imitate the Venus de Milo thing, we're going to be fine. Mm. But um, he don't overthink uh, it. And no. He, uh, yeah, he, he's, yeah, I have no problem with him. Me either. <coughs> right now, as I said, I had concerns earlier because I, I I thought he was being treated with kid gloves, and that concerned me. Now he's not being treated with kid gloves. Now he's being treated like every other closer. Well, he was, he was treated like a guy that needed to make adjustments. Right. This uh, Do we have the tape from John Schneider after the game last night talking about Garcia and Romano? Because I, I want to play this, and I want to talk a little more about Garcia. Thanks, Lance. I mean, Jordy, he's going about as good as anyone is in the league right now. He was awesome, shutting that down in the ninth. And the job that Jimmy did, people don't realize how hard that is with a runner at second base. So every pitch is absolutely high leverage that he threw tonight. His demeanor is phenomenal. His, his, um, you know, under pressure, he's just, he doesn't, he never gives. And he's been that way all year. He, you know, the job that he did, you can't say enough about what he did tonight. He... He kind of just put it on his back and said, I got you guys. Yeah. Oh, well, to, well, to his point, coming in in that 10th inning about that runner on second base is you're, you're trying to do two things. You're trying to get the guy out, but you're also trying to not let the guy get the guy over mm-hmm. the third base with less than two outs. So it's a dual kind of thing. You're trying to throw your best pitch, plus you're not trying to let that guy have action to the right side of the infield, which is not the easiest thing to do. And to, nope. to John's point, the extra gear has helped. Like, well, I, I know sometimes we give the, the coaches too much credit on here, the pitching coach, you know, the, the manager, which, you know, maybe we know a little bit more behind the scenes than most people know. But give them credit when credit's due with the routines and knowing that if you give a guy a couple of days off, that velocity is going to go up. And in situations like that, you get the best out of Jimmy. That's the whole point here is. And you talked about Jordan Romano, why they gave him some time off early in the season. So – they can use him a bunch end of August, all of September, and get the best out of Jordan Romano. That's what they're trying to do because down the stretch here, all these games matter. You want your best guy there when it matters the most, and I think they found 
You know, Jimmy, for me, when you look at his stats, don't like the ninth inning. Uh, we can say it any way you want to say it. Stats don't lie. It's, it's a fact. So when you got a guy that can solidify the ninth inning, if you're a manager, you're thinking from the back end forward, right? right. So you got the ninth inning taken care of. Now I got the eighth inning taken care of. Now I'm only worrying about that little bridge of whoever that is. And you're going matchups. You're going who's available. And it makes your job a little bit easier because you got a couple of no-brainers now. Uh, let's uh, before we break, we'll be joined by uh, Jim Deshays, by the way, uh, former major league pitcher, Chicago Cubs color analyst. Let's uh, kind of review where we are in the standings going into uh, today's activity. The Cubs, or sorry, the Jays, as we mentioned, beat the Cubs five four. The Twinkies beat the Red Sox four two. The Angels beat the Yankees and Frankie Montas four three last night. So Tonied again. Hatani hit another two-run homer. You yeah, you watch you watch the Yankees lineup. You talk about the Blue Jays lineup and trying to figure out who well, the you're putting certain guys. I mean, Rizzo was hitting sixth. Now I know they were facing a left-handed starter, but I think that was the first time he'd hit sixth in since like 2013. Yeah. Like, how do you you know you look at that team and you look at one guy? How do you get Judge up to the plate with so much traffic on the bases? Now they make because I know he likes hitting second. I know yeah. he's let off a couple Got times. Got his fiftieth home run. How do you figure? Night, how do you figure? Way. How do you figure that out? Just, is it DJ? Is it Benintendi? Do you put those two guys one and two? You put Judge third. Do you back up Stanton behind Judge? Do you put Rizzo behind Judge? Like to say down the stretch here that Aaron Boone's going to have to figure some things out is an understatement. One of the things we thought about as um, as uh, the season went on and Aaron Judge kept hitting home runs was how would how would Aaron Boone play this if the Yankees have a nice comfortable cushy lead going into the final now and how you know how would that what impact might that have on Aaron Judge trying to get 62 63 mm-hmm. however many home runs he's going to take he's he's going to take a run at that may you may have answered that question there if Aaron Boone goes into the third week of September and is still scratching his head and trying to figure out what is what his perfect lineup is and, and things will get better when, when Stanton's healthy and everything's, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that'll, that'll make a, that'll make a difference once he's really up to speed. They, they've got a lot of, they got a lot of work to do. They're, they're not scoring runs. And how do you, you know, we talked about when, when John took over the, the managerial job for the Blue Jays, the first thing he wanted to do is move Vladdy at the two spot, yeah. right? That was the best position mm-hmm. for him. Well, judge seems to like the two hole, but is that best for the team? Now, again, Judge, for me, has already earned his money. He's making what he's made. He's got he's, 50 of them things. Like, is 60 going to change the team's mind and give him an extra 50 million? But, no, he's gonna make, he's made his money already. So, now it's about the team and getting him coming to the plate with traffic on the base. It's not protection behind him. It's protection in front of him. You know, DJ's not getting on base like he mm-hmm. used to get on base. Benintendi start to turn the corner. Now he's accepted being a Yankee. It's not an easy thing, you know. You've covered enough Yankees to know it's not the easiest thing. So it seems like if you put those two guys in front of him, maybe those two guys get on. Now you got Judge coming up. I don't know if that's what they're going to do or not. But, boy, if you watch their team play, the the at-bats they have – a lot of them are non-competitive. Like, let's be honest. They are. They're non-competitive. They're easier outs. I mean, and that guy is the big key I'll, in all that. I'll tell you what. Some some of their some of their players some of their some of their guys look tired. Some of their guys look tired. Maybe that it is. You know, some tired swings in that team. They're being, they're you know. being chased. It's not the easiest thing to do all the time. So, speaking of that, uh, the Yankees, as we mentioned, lost last night. They've lost three in a row. They're seventy-eight and fifty-one. 
Uh, they still got a nice comfy lead uh, over the over the Rays in the American League East. Seven games. They're eight ahead of the Blue Jays. But it's in, not 16. It's not 16, <laughs> no. exactly. In the wild card, in the wild card race, Tampa Bay is 70 and 57. They're a game up. They have the top spot in the wild card. They've got a couple of games against Miami. And then we talked yesterday about how the schedule really, really bites for them after that Miami series. They have the hardest schedule in terms of opponents' winning percentage in the American League. Every team they play, or not every team, but what was it, 24, 34 teams they play after Miami Mm -hmm. currently hold playoff spots. Seattle is 70 and 58. They're a half game up in the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have the final wild card spot right now. They are two up in the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are in Cleveland and uh, a big series for the Guardians as well. So maybe the Jays can get a little bit of help. Seattle's in Detroit. Ain't going to be any help there. Tampa Bay's in Miami. Probably not going to be a great deal of help there. So uh, that's where we are. As My God, it's August 30th already. Fine, bye. 35 games left. It's August 30th already. Jim Deshays, the former Major League pitcher. He's also a Chicago Cubs color analyst. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. It'll be Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Blue Jays. And uh, the, hell's, show. the hell's his name for the show? Oh, yeah. Marcus <laughs> Stroman will be on. Yeah, you don't like Does he like you? I don't, like, I don't, I don't give a rat's ass. Um, well, I don't. All right. Uh, Marcus Stroman will be on the mound tonight for the Chicago Cubs. My sense is you Marcus care. Stroman. My sense is Marcus Stroman is going to be a little geared up for this game. He was out there yesterday signing autographs and shagging balls. I mean, he'll throw 92 with movement. I, what, well, what, what does that geared up mean? Well, we'll see. Yeah, Stro, I think this is... Is he going to moonwalk off the mail? What's, what's happening? It depends if he sees Ross Atkins or not. <laughs> he may... It was not. Look, let's face it. It was not the best of partings when 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 uh, <clears throat> when Marcus Stroman left here. That's okay. It was not a uh, was not a good scene when he left he here. He got paid. He did indeed. Uh, Marcus Stroman, of course, as we mentioned, is now with the Chicago Cubs. Jim Deshays is a Chicago Cubs color analyst with Marquee Sports. Former Major League pitcher joins us on Blair and Barker. Jim, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today. Welcome to Toronto. We trust that you're. Uh, we trust that you're. You're. You're doing well. Um, all right. So you've you've been able to see the Stro Show this year live and in person. Uh, give me your ratings on the Stro Show. Five star ratings on it so far. Uh, I would say, uh, performance wise, he's been uh, three, two and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think he's really struggled at home at Wrigley, and I don't know if, you know, signing a big contract, the pressure that comes with it. Uh, as you may know, he, he doesn't really shy away from the limelight. Um, no. <laughs> so I, I think, I think you know, there may have been some added pressure um, uh, there w- w- with him. And then uh, he had a shoulder injury, and he missed still about five weeks. Uh, since coming back from the IL, he, he had a stretch of really good starts, and then more recently 
uh, struggled just a little bit. But uh, obviously, he knows how to pitch. He's got good stuff. Uh, tremendous athlete. Um, Cubs have him for three years. He's got an opt-out after next season. Um, I'm just really intrigued to see what it looks like going forward, to tell you the truth. Jim, what do you think the Cubs will look like next year? Well, Tom Ricketts, uh, the owner, has has said they're going to spend money this winter. And, you know, by that I assume um, a lot of money. Uh, I think they'll be in play for, a, you know, a couple of big, big name free agents. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the shortstop class that's out there again this year that the Cubs would have interest. Uh, J.P. Morosi was floating some Otani rumors and a, a possible trade uh, here last week. That, that would be fun. I would, I would embrace that. Um, but, but I, yeah, I suspect they're going to be pretty aggressive this winter. Uh, I guess it just, you know, if, if you're Jed Hoyer um, and you're talking to, to Tom Ricketts, I, I think, you know, obviously the conversation has to be, well, here's where we are with what we have both on the field at the big league level and in our pipeline. So, you know, how do we want to spend our money going forward? Uh, it would be very difficult to make a huge leap from this year to next, you know, with, with where they are. But, I, you know, I think in the next couple of years, um, they'll be behaving like a big market club and they'll be back in contention. So of the, of the guys that we saw in the field last night, Madrigal, Contreras, Hap, Suzuki, Reyes, Horner, who I really like, mm-hmm. Ortega, Rivas, and Morel, how many of those guys do you think, and I'm going to use this in air quotes, you know, figure in the team's future for next year? Suzuki, I would think, would be would clearly be there. Yeah. I know Hap's under contract. I'm intrigued about Horner, though, because I've heard some things about him. And you know, one game, uh, he, he he. There's something there, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. He's um, the, the question coming into spring training was, could he play shortstop every day? The answer is yes. He's been really good out there. Um, having said that, if they do go out and and get a shortstop, you slide him over to second base, and now you have an elite middle of the diamond infield. Mm. Um, you know uh, where he's going to compete for a Gold Glove every year at second. Really heady player, smart player. He's kind of a fun player because in this era of launch angle and everybody's trying to hit the ball over the wall, he's a contact guy. You need a couple of those at least. Um, so, yeah, he, he's probably been our best story this year. Uh, just a real solid kid and a really good player. So he'll be around. When the Cubs are good again, he'll, I, I would think he would be a part of it. Uh, Hap's got one more year on, uh, before he enters his free agency, and there was a lot of trade rumors surrounding him at the deadline, but I, I assume he's in left field next year. Contreras is the wild card, right? They they tried to deal him, and nobody would step up and offer what the Cubs thought he was worth. So he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, they'll likely extend the qualifying offer, and mm-hmm. you know the question is, does he accept it or not? So that's that, that's going to be interesting. There, you know, The other guys are, are still in play as pieces. Uh, Morel is intriguing because he's, he's really athletic, and he can play a lot of different positions. Um, you know, but the, the, the other guys that you mentioned, uh, well, Suzuki will be out there. Mm-hmm. The other guys are kind of, you know, it, it's hard to say, I guess, right. um, they're complimentary pieces and they, they could certainly fit on a, on a good team, but they probably wouldn't be everyday players on a contending team. When the Cubs are good, do you think David Ross is the guy? I do. I do. I think it's funny. I was looking, uh, I think I looked at this earlier this year. The Cubs have not had a manager last more than five years since Leo DeRocher. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, um, but, but I think Rossi's in a real good place. Uh, he and the front office seem to be on the same page. He's got great touch. Uh, he gets it. You know, he's at, 
checks all the boxes, right? I know that's mm-hmm. a tired old cliche, but ex-catcher that knows the game, knows the pitching side of it, great feel with the players, um, has the ability to kind of snap at guys and, and not mm-hmm. uh, lose th- their respect. Or, you know, he's just, he's just a good person, and, and he's got real good feel. So, I, I, yeah, I, I, he knows the game. So I, I think he will survive this, this little downturn, and when they're ready to win again, I think he will be the guy. Jim, when the when the Cubs won the World Series and when they when they were really a force, their their plan of attack seemed to be homegrown position players, a lot of a lot of guys who were shortstops, you know, move them to positions, and then go into the free agent market and load up on pitching in the free agent market. And I like that idea because, quite frankly, if I've got money to spend, I'd rather spend it in somebody who's always had his first TJ surgery, who's always already been rehabbed by another organization let them take care of that guy and then when he's 29 or 30 or 28 i'll jump in pay money and i'll get i'll I'll get the major league years out of that guy are they gearing up to do the same thing here understanding that the free agent pitching market next year isn't great is that something you think this cubs organization will try to do yeah i'm with you i think it was a really smart strategy it's kind of that money ball idea that you know drafting pitchers is high risk because they get hurt all the time um but, but it's interesting, you know, dur- during this, you know, last five-year stretch or whatever since they won the World Series, um, they haven't been able to develop much pitching in, in the system. So they have kind of changed strategy a little bit. They went real heavy on pitching in the draft this year, and they finally got some kids coming through the system that they think are going to be able to pitch uh, up here at the big leagues. Uh, you know, they've, they've had a lot of bullpen arms, but they haven't had much luck developing starters. So I think they are willing to take some chances in the draft and acquiring some prospects um, that are just good arms and, and hopefully can come up here and help. Uh, I think they'll be shopping uh, a lot of different aisles this winter. And they'll, they'll be, you know, I think shortstop will, will be something they're interested in. I think a left-handed bat and uh, a, yeah, I think a front of the, front of the rotation starting pitcher is a must. Uh, you know, they've got Stroman, uh, Kyle Hendricks is hurt right now. He's still under contract. He'll be back. Uh, Drew Smiley has done a really nice job for them, but they need a, a horse at the top of the mm-hmm. rotation. When uh, Wilson Contreras wasn't traded, what, what was that like for him and the team? <laughs> it was it was really awkward, right? Yeah. We had this moment at Wrigley where he's hugging everybody and the fans hmm. are, you know, waving goodbye. And it, you know, he was very emotional. And it was just uh, assumed it was a given that he was gone. Um, so it was kind of weird when, when he didn't get traded. Um, but, <laughs> excuse me, um, yeah, I, I think all the trade talk definitely affected him. Uh, he's a real passionate guy, an emotional guy, and, and I think it was gnawing at him, and his performance struggled because of it. Uh, I, I just don't know if he comes back here exactly how he will be used. Um, you know, Obviously, he'll catch some, uh, but I think he'll DH a, a good bit, maybe even play the outfield going forward. It's, it's hard to say. Um, it's, so, th- yeah, there was some awkward moments, but not a real big issue. Jim, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jim. Be well. All right, guys. All right, thank you. Take care. It's Jim Deshays, Chicago Cubs color analyst with Marquee Sports, former MLB pitcher. Um, the game's really good. Really nice gentleman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's got to be odd thinking us. you're going to be traded. Him and Hap, you know that? Although I think the, ha- the Hap thing, there was always the understanding, I think, that with the extra year, sure. it was le- less likely to be dealt, I guess. But, yeah, think of those scenes. You know, Wilson Contreras, you know, 
bidding a tearful goodbye to sure. Wrigley Field and then coming back. And, I, I mean, if you're Wilson Contreras, you've got to extend. I, you have to extend him the qualifying offer. Like, if you let him go without extending him a qualifying offer, I think you look even, even sillier for not trading him. If I'm Wilson Contreras, um, I don't know, man. See, 19 million bucks? See, if I were to, if I were to Cubbies, if you were, if you were going to let him go, now would be the time. Like, just you, you want to start clean and, and sort of start over. If you want to spend a bunch of money in the offseason. You mean today? Uh, no. But oh, you I mean, mean at but, the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when, when you, if you could, with the way it's went, with, with the way it's went and, and the where your team's at, and, you know, sometimes it's just better to start over and have fresh faces. And Yeah, you know, it's, it's really maybe. weird because I agree that, that uh, there are times where that's good, but I'm also not a fan of of giving away assets. And I hate referring to players as assets because it are. makes it sound like you're a freaking McKinsey consultant. But I'm not a fan of just giving away assets and getting absolutely nothing in return. And to me, for the Chicago Cubs, I'm not certain payroll flexibility. Like you're the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Is the payroll flexibility given where you are right now, all that important. It's not like you've got anybody in your team who's going to get a ton of money. The only money, the, the, the person, you know, you're going to be bringing guys in who are making money. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, if I'm the Cubs, I, I might bring them back and then go through the whole thing again at the, at, at, at the trade deadline if, if, if I have to. And the other thing is, I don't know... I'd have to take a deeper dive into that division. Like, how quickly could the Cubs take a run at, at, at the other teams in that division? Like, are, is there a team in there that really scared? Milwaukee's kind of, I think Milwaukee's window may be in the process of closing. The Cardinals are the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Right? The Cardinals are always going to be a factor. But is there somebody else yeah, in there where you go, man, I don't know if we, we need to do a two- or three-year rebuild here because – we're not going to be able to catch those guys. I, I don't know if there is a team I, I, there. I, I do think if you add a impact bat, if you bring in some better pitching, some better starting pitching, some veteran guys who know how to add and subtract, and and that little Chicago thing with the wind blowing yeah. out, it's not going to bother that. Nope. And they'll know how to pitch to that. I think if you add a little of that in the division you play in, I mean, the, it's a, it's sort of like the Rays. The, Milwaukee has given a blueprint on how you can win mm-hmm. without being really good at one part of a game, which is offensively, right? If you yep. got good pitching, you play decent defense, you can win a bunch of games because of the division you play in. Cubbies could do that. You spend a little money, which they're willing to spend some money, you do that. I don't see why they can't make a decent run at it and, and be competitive, and especially the, the added playoff spots. Let me we'll open the window there a little bit. Yeah, let me ask you this. Do the uh, um, Otani's interesting though? Oh, I, yeah, you heard him say that. Oh, I mean, you look at the how many homers would he hit in that park? The whole Ooh, thing wait. with the, the whole thing with Otani is, yeah, hey, everybody's everybody's going to call on Otani. Sure, I, I wrote column in Sportsnet.ca. I'll refer to it yesterday, but I mean, I sent a text off over the weekend to GM, not Ross. But another jam. I just said, do you think the Jays? Like, we we keep hearing. I don't. I don't necessarily. It's not that I don't trust 
general managers. But when somebody says to me, we were in on this guy, we were in on that guy, we think we're the runner-up. We I go, okay, well, what the hell's a runner-up? Either you got the guy Two you didn't get. Either you got the guy you didn't get the guy. We got a chance. Every, know, every now and then, yeah. though, you know, you have like Justin Verlander made clear, hey, the Jays are right there. So yeah. I, I wondered, I asked an agent and I asked a GM, do they think that the Jays, if Otani is on the market, do they think the Jays will be a factor? Mm. And they all said, not all of them, both of them said, ownership willing to spend money, competitive window right now. Sure. But the GM told me, he said, Jeff, everybody's going to be in sure. on Otani. You know, I mean, you it's almost negligence to not, if they're going to trade Otani, mm-hmm. to, not, to not necessarily make that call. I mean, the Cubs, man. It I'll ask you this. That makes sense. Day baseball, big deal for a guy? It would take some getting used to. Is that it, 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 as, it, as a player? Because yeah, I, cause it I don't think they used to mess up routines, especially a guy that's trying to do it on both sides of the ball. How would he handle that? That's what I was you know, wondering you know, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, that's you what know, I was wondering you about. You know, you play a night game the and next then you're day, pitching you're pitching the next day. Mm, so it would be you. You would have to maneuver that. You'd have to have an extra guy. You might want to go to a six man rotation mm-hmm. like they're doing and with the Angels. So you'd have to work around that, but you'd be willing to do it because of the player. Now, could the player do it? And and what would that do to that player? Because you'd never seen it before. Yeah. You'd have to have special guys come in. This, you know, special people telling you when to drink water and what to eat and how to, much to eat it and all the things that would go into him trying to be the best Otani. But, man, That's any market to go to the Cubbies and play, it's the Cubbies. Like, if you're, you know, it's not, it's not New York. It's not... It's a big city, but it's not a big. There you go. The media is not voracious. There it's a big you, media market, go. but they're not going to be in your grill he, like they're going to be in Philadelphia, put, New I York. I mean, they, they they sell out anyway. They stink, and they still fans still come to that. Yeah. You talk about a buzz and around a have, team right away, man. And you don't have all the nonsense you get in a place like Boston. And they could and they could back up the Brinks truck to give him whatever he wanted. Yeah, so but, it, it would make too bad. That makes too much sense. And you want to talk about too much? You want to talk about juicing your your uh, rebuild. Yeah. And you talk about, you talk about the blue Jays. Let's be honest. The, their minor league system. Well, it's not let's just not, that. They've not, also, I mean, they're, they're going to, they, that they have to make, they've got some money invested. They've also, some, they, they've got to deal with the Guerrero thing as well. Sooner or later. I mean, it, it's, I, I'm sure they'll call. Why wouldn't they? I mean, I'm sure they'll call to see, you know, every, every team would be interested in, in having Otani. I just don't know how you, if you're the blue Jays, how you get from there to having him on your team. But, you would yeah. sure think you, the you Angels at, would want pitching but and young pitching. Think of the teams right now that have a just are just dying, dying for that. Not necessarily Shohei Otani, but dying for a big guy. The Cubs don't have a guy. The Giants don't have a guy. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox seem to not realize that they have a guy in Devers. The Washington yeah. Nationals. Yeah, the Washington Nationals, they don't have a guy. And they, they've got ownership if, if what we hear is right, if it's Ted Leonsis. If he takes over the team, they're going to have ownership that's going to have a crap ton of money to spend. Mm-hmm. And then, and there are reports in L.A. that the guy who owns the Golden State Warriors wants to buy the Angels. And what is it? Name me a sport where an owner would have a better appreciation of the value of a star player no than, than the NBA. Sure. So there's a ton of stuff in play with Otani. And then, of course, the whole wild card in the thing is what if, it, the, what if the Yankees don't re-sign for, Judge? Well, for me, That's being honest, if you're, if you're a new owner, 
And is it about winning or is it about having Otani? There's a big difference. Because you, it's not we've you've seen mm-hmm. they they stink with Otani. I mean he's really good. He's must watch, but they're, they're not a good team. Like they're right now, they're probably not a good organization. Is it just about keeping Otani? And I'm sure they make tons of money because it puts eyeballs to the set and and people come to watch him play. But or is it about winning? If it's about winning, now that's a broader picture, yeah. and now you're thinking about adding to your minor league system. You want to bring in better pitching. Can you do that? Plus, keep Otani like there's. And the so thing you gotta, with you got to what's your priority? The thing with Otani, you've also got to figure out: Are we trading? If you're trading for Otani in the off season, to me, you're basically saying we're willing to give you a ten year deal. There it is. Like that's mm-hmm. that. That's what and, you're and saying. Forty five a what year, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you're admitting. Mm-hmm. If you do that. And it sounds like the Cubbies could do that. I want to do that. Or willing to do that. Man, yeah, day game after night. I mean, that that whole. Again, that's where you go in the six-man rotation. You work around that. Like, they would do whatever you know, it took yeah. to make him happy if, if you get, and help him out when it comes to that. If you get the, sense, if you get the sense that Shohei Otani wants to stay with you for six or seven years, you'll make it work. You'll, you'll, no you'll, you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, we're not going to. Otani wants to come here. We're not going to add it, though, because we're not gonna add, going to add him because we're. We're concerned about the day boy, game. He'd, he'd look good in that uniform too, and ooh, what? Just like I me, mean, yeah. it makes too much sense. Doesn't yeah, it, it does, and it I, makes a lot. Of I sense. admit, I hadn't hooked those two together. Mm-hmm. I hadn't hooked those two together. I, I just the Giants, though, man. The Giants are what screams to me the team that would take that would really go after Otani. Oh, well, I don't Otani, know. If they have the I want to go there as a hitter. I the, well, the Giants. It's like the Aaron Judge thing. Yeah. You're Aaron. I know Aaron Judge, and if you hit it, it's going. But he's a right center guy. You ever seen right center in San Francisco? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a graveyard. Yeah, it is a graveyard. So, not sure about that. Buck Martinez is our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. He had a lot to say about the Blue Jays this weekend. Got a lot of people talking. Buck Martinez will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, the network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm.